1: Hey all, welcome back to the Real Life Pharmacology Podcast. I'm your host, pharmacist, Eric Christensen. Thank you so much for listening today. Uh, head on over to reallifepharmacology.com. We've got that free 31-page PDF. It is a study guide on the top 200 drugs. Uh, no brainer, just simply an email will we'll get you access to that. Uh, great if you're taking board exams or going through pharmacology classes or just want a refresher and you're out in clinical practice. So again, go check that out, reallifepharmacology.com. If you subscribe there uh, with simply an email, you'll get access to that free resource. All right, let's get into the drug of the day today. And this is by request. Uh, the drug is Brexpiprazole. Brand name of this medication is Rexalti. And this medication is a second-generation antipsychotic. So from a mechanism of action standpoint, understand that antipsychotics will have action on dopamine receptors and specifically dopamine 2 receptors. Now, brexpiprazole varies a little bit compared to most traditional antipsychotics, In its mechanism of action. So, uh, it is a partial agonist or is partial or has partial agonist activity, uh, for serotonin 1A receptors. In addition, it's got partial agonist activity to those D2 receptors. So again, this is agonist activity. So partial agonist activity means it stimulates that receptor to a certain extent, but also prevents or can help reduce the action of full agonist on those dopamine receptors. So it can kind of limit the activity uh, in being a partial agonist. It also has some antagonist activity at 5-HT2A receptors. Again, 5-HT stands for serotonin, uh, just kind of another way to abbreviate that. So if you see that in the literature, uh, that's what that's referring to. So understanding rexpiprazole is a second generation antipsychotic. Uh, it can certainly be used in schizophrenia. Uh, also may see it used in depression as well. Uh, and I've seen it off-label a couple of times now uh, for dementia-related psychosis. With that said, it is a very expensive medication at this time at the time of this podcast uh, so that that does present an issue obviously until uh, it becomes generic and, and much more uh, cost effective that way. Uh, dosing is usually zero 0.5 to four uh, maybe up to four milligrams usually the higher dosages in the you know two to four maybe three to four milligram range. That's generally going to be people uh, that we're managing schizophrenia on. And then the lower dosages, uh, you're probably more likely to see that uh, in depression as well as potentially dementia-related behavioral issues such as psychosis and hallucination and things like that. Uh, I, of course, want to mention the box warning of increased mortality with dementia-related psychosis. So that is always a risk versus benefit type of analysis. Uh, Brexpiprazole falls into the, uh, antipsychotic category. So it's going to carry that boxed warning. Uh, the other boxed warning associated with that, uh, with Brexpiprazole is suicidal thoughts in younger patients, uh, age less than 24. So that warning, uh, exists as well. One thing I wanted to mention about Patient adherence. Uh, We don't typically do drug levels for antipsychotics in general. There is, however, a reported therapeutic reference range for brexpiprazole, and that's 40 to 140 nanograms per mil. Uh, I wouldn't necessarily commit that to memory or anything. Uh, Where we might actually draw a level uh, is if we're trying to prove adherence. So if a patient you know, has a, a relapse of schizophrenia type symptoms and we want to prove that they were actually taking the medication so we can determine if it was actually treatment failure or if it was just an adherence failure, that's a situation where you might actually draw a level. Uh, one other situation where you maybe would see a level drawn is if you're trying to rule out kind of multiple toxicities and what drug might have caused an issue. Uh, that's one other situation where maybe you would draw uh, drug levels uh, for specific medications that we don't normally do that. So clinical response is really what you're going to titrate the dose up based upon. You're not going to typically draw level, and say, hey, oh, they're not in their therapeutic reference range, you know, increase the dose. We're not going to do that typically with brexpiprazole. We're going to go off a clinical response. Oh, they're not responding. Well, we're at a low dose. Let's continue to to move up on the dose. All right, so I mentioned those box warnings a little bit. Let's talk some about adverse effects in general. So with antipsychotics, kind of the broad big-picture overview, Metabolic syndrome, extra pyramidal symptoms, some have anticholinergic activity, QTC prolongation, uh, hyperprolactinemia, potentially hypotension as well. These are kind of the broad categories of adverse effects that are generally associated with antipsychotics. And what's really important and often comes up on board exams like you know BCPS or NAPLEX or you know some of the other board exams is differentiating between the different antipsychotics so brexpiprazole on the scale of metabolic syndrome is on the low end and if you know aripiprazole uh, it goes pretty well along the same lines as aripiprazole as far as its risk. So metabolic syndrome risk generally on the lower end, Uh, lower end for EPS typically. Uh, However, akesthesia has been reported um, with brexpiprazole, maybe more so than than some of the other antipsychotics, Um, but EPS in general tends to be a little bit lower. Uh, Anticholinergic activity, usually we don't have too much trouble there with this medication. QTC prolongation, on the lower end as well. If you remember, zeprazidone is on the high end for that uh, adverse effect. Uh, Prolactin elevations or hyperprolactinemia, brexpiprazole tends to be on the low risk side for that as well. Whereas uh, risperidone, palyperidone, those tend to be on the higher end of things. And hypotension, brexpiprazole, again on the low end of that. So generally as far as the adverse effect profile goes, tends to be a little bit more so on the uh, lower end compared to uh, other agents there. If you remember hypotension, uh, the big ones there are usually clozapine, and uh, quetiapine can also cause some uh, orthostatic hypotension. Okay, talking about kinetics a little bit, um, I alluded to, you know, Drug levels and monitoring. I, I talked about that a little bit. Um, associated with kinetics of this medication is dosing. So remember, the generally the shorter the half life, the more often we have to give a medication. Well, brexpiprazole actually has a, a pretty long half life of of several days or a few days anyway, and because of that we generally are only going to have to dose this oral medication uh, once a day. So that is a nice uh, potential advantage there. Uh, Onset of action, usually when we're using medications for psych purposes, uh, particularly antipsychotics, antidepressants, they take a while to work. And you're probably going to be at least a week or two out before you start seeing any kind of significant benefit. And you know, it might be 6 to 12 weeks before you actually see uh, the max benefit of a specific dose that we're utilizing. Metabolism, that's definitely something important to think about. We do have CYP3A4 and CYP2D6 issues there. So definitely uh, really, really important to pay attention to that. And the manufacturer does have a maximum dose based upon Uh, renal function uh, cutoff. So something to look for there. If you do have a patient with CKD, might want to double check this drug and make sure you're uh, not going above the max recommended dose there. Uh, Pharmacogenomics. uh, I've definitely been, I think, mentioning this a little bit more on the, the podcast. So if you've got a poor CYP3A4, poor CYP2D6 metabolizer, this certainly could increase the concentrations of brexpiprazole and obviously increase the clinical effects of the medication. So we'll get into CYP3A4, CYP2D6 a little bit more uh, following our break from the sponsor and of course uh, in our drug interactions section. If you're in the market for pharmacist board certification study material like BCPS, ambulatory care, BCMTMS, geriatrics, NAPLEX exam, go check out meded101.com slash store. We've got a great list of resources just like this podcast that are specifically designed for each individual board certification exam. So your support there goes directly to support the Real Life Pharmacology podcast. If you're a nurse, nurse practitioner, PA, med student, we've got tons of books on Amazon now. Uh, case Studies, Clinical pearls, uh Perils of Polypharmacy is a, a book I've put out recently, uh, Drug Interactions in Primary Care. All these books are available on Amazon. Uh, go check those out. Support the sponsor, meded101.com slash store. All right, wrapping up with drug interactions. Uh, let's get the CNS depression drug interaction uh, out of the way first. Any drugs that are sedating will have additive effects onto brexpiprazole. I wouldn't call brexpiprazole one of the worst antipsychotics as far as sedation, uh, but there is a possibility it could cause some mild sedation. So uh, your alcohol, uh, older generation antihistamines, benzodiazepines, opioids, these are all going to have additive CNS depressant type effects. Okay, let's talk about CYP2D6. So, CYP2D6 inhibitors will increase concentrations of brexpiprazole. So, your fluoxetine, peroxetine, bupropion, those are kind of the classic uh, examples that I, I generally remember. Uh, CYP3A4 inhibitors, same thing. So, it's kind of a dual breakdown CYP3A4, CYP2D6, uh, utilizing something like grapefruit juice, if the patient uses that, that could raise uh, concentrations and clinical effects of brexpiprazole. And then on the flip side, of course, if we utilize some sort of enzyme inducer, sip 3 a 4 carbamazepine, St. John's wort, for example, this will lower concentrations and increase the risk for treatment failure. Alright, well, I think that's going to wrap up the podcast for today. As always, go to reallifepharmacology.com. We've got all the podcasts listed there. So if you're looking for a specific drug that you're trying to study, or we've also got them categorized by uh, disease state, such as, you know, cardiovascular, uh, neurology, and, and those type of uh, system categorization, Uh, That's all at reallifepharmacology.com. So you should be able to go uh, to the main podcast page there. And on the right-hand side, I believe, uh, you'll see those different categories. And so if you're on a particular unit uh, taking a pharmacology class and you want to go through and see what I've done previously, which I believe I'm somewhere in the ballpark of two to 300 episodes now, um, I've covered a lot of medications and it could definitely be really, really helpful on your uh, board exam or pharmacology exams if you're going through school. So go check that out, reallifepharmacology.com. While you're there, get your free 31-page PDF on the Top 200 Drugs. Simply an email will get you access to that. And of course, support the sponsor, meded101.com slash store, S-T-O-R-E, as you are able financially. Uh, If you don't have the finances to do anything uh, as far as supporting meded101.com slash store, uh, leave us a rating, review on iTunes, wherever you're listening. Share us with your friends, colleagues, emails. uh, Email your your group of friends, your uh, healthcare-related friends, and uh, share the podcast if they're trying to learn more and more about pharmacology. Uh, You can reach me, mededucation101 at gmail.com. Uh, you can also track me down on LinkedIn, Eric Christensen, Farm D BCGP, BCPS. I'm going to sign off for today. Thank you so much for listening.
0: Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card.